Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Coming up on today's show, there's a new PlayStation State of Play and Pokemon cards sent a man to prison? And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. I'm so happy you're back, baby girl. Oh, thank you so much for holding down the fort while I was first at DICE 2020, DICE Summit, which was a fun time. But then it wasn't a fun time that I got COVID-19, everybody. Yes, that's right. <sighs> the Rona has come to the Drake household. All three of us got it. Um, and uh, we're all doing fine now. So thank you to everybody who reached out to me over Twitter and text and, and all that jazz. And it was bad, Britt. I was real sick. Oh, man. And you were vaxxed and boosted. And it yes. still kicked your ass, man. Yes. That is just gnarly. I guess I don't know why I got such bad. Like, you know, I think what it was is that I got food poisoning, which I oh, posted yeah. about on my Instagram. The day I, I flew home, so early Friday morning, was just like in a bad way, um, praying to the porcelain uh, gods in my hotel room before going to the airport. That's uh, from awful. Some, yeah, from some oysters I ate. And I love oysters. Um, but, you know, when you eat raw shellfish, this is the gamble that you take. Um, <laughs> and so I just thought I had some food poisoning. Got home the next day, was really tired, like could barely keep my eyes open. I was like, oh, I just kind of maybe just kind of kicked my butt going on a trip. And then it wasn't until Sunday that like the sore throat, the cough, the runny nose, the body aches, all the flu and cold symptoms really set in. And I was and I heard that a bunch of people had tested positive from dice. And I was like, oh, no. Uh, yep. But God. I thankfully was able to get the monoclonal antibodies treatment from a private company who sends an RN to your house here in Los Angeles and they do an IV infusion and that helped me a ton. So That's if you good. find yourself with COVID and you live in a city where you can get a monoclonal antibody treatment, um, just do it. You, it'll make you feel so much better. So I'm really glad that I did. But yeah, but now I'm back. You are and you look great. Oh, I thanks. would never know that you were just like bedridden for the past like eight weeks. <laughs> I know, right? Oh my goodness. I was telling her before we kicked things off that this is the first time I've done my hair and makeup in two weeks, I think. I know. It's so. like you're holding that eyeshadow brush and you're like, where does this go? How do I do this? Yeah, it's like riding a bike, right? <laughs> yeah. Sure. All right, everybody, whether it's your first episode or your 266th episode, thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you ha have been enjoying episodes of What's Good Games, whether you're new to the show or you're returning. Uh, we're glad that you are here. Uh, I want to thank 
all of our Patreon producers, including Chewy's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, David Icolucci, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, Matthew Goudere, and Punctified. And if you want to help support our voices in video games and support this show, including getting the show ad-free, you can do so at patreon.com slash what's good games. Speaking of ads, this show is brought to you by HelloFresh, Hide It Mounts, and ExpressVPN, but we'll talk about them later because it looks like we have a couple new podcast reviewers. We have one, Devin Excellent. Devin. Thank you, Devin Devin. You rocked my world today when I read your very, very kind podcast review. Mucho appreciated. They really do pick us up and make us feel thank good. You. So thank you to everybody who's taken the time to write a five-star review. It's really It really helps the show, and it also makes us feel really nice. So we heart you guys. All right, let's go ahead and jump right into this PlayStation State of Play recap. So Brittany, PlayStation announced this just two days ago, and so it kind of came out of nowhere, but they also very quickly set expectations that, hey, this is just about some a couple first-party games and some partner games, but mostly focused on Japanese studios. So if you were hoping to see God of War Ragnarok... <laughs> Not here, ladies and gentlemen. Not, not today. No. So we have a little bit. Uh, I just kind of pulled some blurbs from the PlayStation blog. Of course, if you guys want to see the full rundown of everything that was announced, the PlayStation blog is the best place to find that. But Britt, what was the thing that stood out for you the most from these games that we saw? That stood out the most? Oh, man. Like looking through this, these headlines, I would say the, <laughs> the Returnal. Uh, DLC about the announcement of the campaign co-op coming in like kind of got me a little hot and bothered I think that's excellent that was something Returnal is a game that everyone not everyone but most everyone really loved like so much hype there was a whole snafu about like how do you pause the game or there was no auto saves it was something like that and just hearing everyone's feedback like right when it launched out the gate it kind of like turned me off a little bit from it I wasn't looking for a semi-stressful experience roguelike and all but yeah with this new update they are announcing or they are giving campaign co-op and I think that is absolutely wonderful so the DLC is coming later this month and how the co-op will work is you can access a portal near the crash landing in other parts of the game where you can summon someone to join you or you can host or you can join a public a public game um or you can just play the entire thing with a friend, which is really cool. And so it sounds like you will be tethered with your co-op partner. So you can't get too far apart. But I guess that makes sense, you know, knowing what kind of game this is. And it sounds like well, someone, if someone goes down, the other person can revive you. But it does take some time. So it's not going to be an instant revive, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, no, you're going to have a nice little wheel that fills up as you slowly revive them. And monsters are going to be eating your ass. And it's going to be a stressful situation. But that's okay. Progression is tied to the host. So if you're struggling to overcome a certain boss or biome, bring another player. Yep. So anyway, I think this looks fantastic. And they also announced the Tower of Sisyphus, which I admittedly want to call the Tower of Syphilis, but I won't do that because that's not right. That's not okay. Uh, no. Essentially, it sounds like it's an endless mode at this point. Um, yes. So yeah. it's funny. I put this little blurb in the show notes about this because I kind of chuckled because lately my husband has talking about his Sisyphean task and his Sisyphean task around our household is washing the baby's dishes because the baby has a lot of dishes between spoons and bottle parts and washing the toys and all that jazz. But you understand. It's just uh -huh. a lot all day long. He's like, I just keep doing it over and over again. And I finally <laughs> had to ask him because John, you know, he's a smart guy. He went he to school a lot of for English and he knows. A yeah, he knows a lot of words that I don't know like straight up. And I was like, OK. Uh, who's Sisyphus and what is a Sisyphean task? I don't understand. 
And so he was like, oh, well, Sisyphus is a figure from Greek mythology who, as king of Corinth, became infamous for his general trickery and twice cheating death. He ultimately got his comeuppance when Zeus dealt him the eternal punishment of forever rolling a boulder up a hill in the depths of Hades. So that's oh, why wow. it's called the Sisyphean task, because you just keep doing it endlessly over and over again until the end of time. It never stops. Wow. That is a very John Drake thing to say. Also, how fucking terrible would that be? Rolling a boulder up a hill in Hades. Yeah. Like, that'd be awful. I feel bad. That's so this Tower bad. of Sisyphus mode essentially just means that it's an endless endless waves, right? And, yeah, and I love the way it was described here. It says, players will strive to ascend the tower as high as possible. However, there's no end to the climb, and players are tragically destined to meet their demise as the mode gets increasingly harder. The only question is, how far can you get before succumbing? Like, damn. That's some dark shit. But yeah, yeah, I mean, like, essentially, they want this to kind of be their arcade mode for Returnal, which makes sense. But not for me, but I'm 100% about that co-op. Very excited about it. Now, did you play Returnal? I can't remember. I dabbled in Returnal for a couple of hours, and then I quickly abandoned it. Because if you remember, it came out, like, right when babies were born. And so okay, I was yeah. just like, I don't have the, I don't have the yeah. brain bites to do this game right now, but I've always wanted to go back to it. Cause it looks like a really beautiful game and I've heard nothing but wonderful things about it. And obviously it was nominated for a game of the year and a bunch of other awards. So maybe co-op is, is my way in. There you go. Get that John Drake to play with you. Oh, and he can man. do his syphilis task. lol Uh, so there was a plenty of other things to see in the state of play today one of the things that i wanted to pull up because it's a game that i've been kind of keeping my eye on is forspoken so Mm -hmm. this is the game that is being developed by square enix and i feel like every time we see this game um i keep getting like confused about what this game is but i think this new trailer probably does the best job of of showcasing it and so the developer luminous productions um is working on it it's like an open world game you play as this character named um hold on holland yeah what's happening with the quality here let me fix this real quick um as frey and um she's essentially like a modern day character that gets somehow sucked into this fantasy world. And it's clearly like open world action, third person. And I'm just, I'm really intrigued by this game because I feel like this game has the potential to be really cool. Yeah, I think the traversal looks really neat. I think the monsters that you see are all mystical and weird looking and shit. And it's gorgeous. I think what I'm most excited about in the combat does look pretty badass. Look at that weird skeleton magma creature. Like, that looks fucking sick. Um, it's I, I, The story. Like, I know I've talked about this before, but I think the idea of taking this modern-day character, putting her into this weird, like, fantasy world, to me, that is such an interesting premise, and I would love to see how that's explored. And, yeah, I mean, it's just stunning to look at, honestly. Yeah. The graphics in all of the trailers have been have been really, really cool. And I'm interested to learn more about this girl and kind of like what she's doing in this world. And um, I'm definitely going to be checking this one out as soon as it's available, which I believe is this fall. October 11th, 2022. There we go. For PlayStation 5 and PC. And then I think on the very bottom of that forespoken like splash screen, teeny tiny text that says it's a two-year console exclusive. 
So. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, I think that's the one. And I thought that was kind of cute and funny. But like, hey, at least it was there. You've covered your asses, Sony. You did the thing. They're like, um, hey, we have a big open world RPG. You don't need to play that Starfield game. No, no, not at all. Starfield Two very who? different games, to be clear. But um, all right. What else late. did you You're, get? You already said it, Andrea. The angry comments are coming in. You already it's said fine. it. Um, let's talk about Capcom's new fever dream called Exo Primal. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what this was. Like, I don't know. It's fine. Okay, so yeah, here we go. So Exoprimal. So I'm just going to read some official text because I couldn't describe this game even if I wanted to. What the fuck is this Android thing? Okay. Anywho, okay, so this team-based action game is a new IP set to unleash a prehistoric blast from the past in the near future. Suit up empowered armor to put down dinosaur invasions and save humanity from extinction when the Exofighters deploy for battle on PlayStation and Xbox and Steam in 2023. So it's 2040 and the planet is in crisis. Dinosaurs are appearing from thin air, Andrea, and laying waste to cities across the globe. Threatened by history's deadliest creatures, the world turns to the powerful Apes Corporation and its revolutionary tech technology for help. Anywho, so this is a new multiplayer experience rooted in co-op, but with a competitive edge. It sounds like you can kind of fuck with your team in 5v5 matches and uh, just different classes you can choose from. And I know a lot of people were hoping this was going to be Dino Crisis. You even have the red-haired protagonist, but alas, it is not Dino Crisis. I am sorry. It is. Look at this. Look at this, Andrea. There's like dinosaurs being birthed out of a vortex in the sky. It looks like <laughs> fucking like... Is it like when seahorses give birth and millions of them just kind of like spurt out? That's exactly what it looks like. If I just said the word spurt, I hate that word. The character design of these people in armor suits really gives me Anthem vibes. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it kind okay. of reminds me of the javelins, but obviously without the oh. fun flight mechanics that the javelins had. Um, or maybe there is a flight mechanic in this game. Who knows? I think the first thing that came to mind was... Monster Hunter in modern times, but dinosaurs. But it feels like this doesn't have that type of... The combat doesn't look like that. The combat looks a little bit more um, fast and furious. A little Mm -hmm. bit more hack and slash um, kind of feeling than... Monster Hunter is a little bit more methodical, right? Like you have to be a little bit more strategic in the the combat in Monster Hunter. This is interesting. I definitely would need to, like, get on the sticks for this game to kind of feel out what this game is all about. I know. It looks like something, if anyone's going to play it out of the two of us, it's absolutely you. Because it's a 5v5. I know you like that shit. Apparently you like dinosaurs. I don't know if you like dinosaurs. But, like, we're just going to roll with it and say you do. Listen, Turok was one of my favorite games as a kid. Bring back all the dinosaurs. Let's go. Yeah. Well, go on with your bad selves, Capcom. I don't know what you're doing, but that's okay. No one judges you. You're making all that money. Go ahead and invest in some dinosaur shooter support you (laughs) spread your wings (gasps) i love it um so what's the deal with valkyrie elysium okay so valkyrie elysium and i've never played the valkyrie series before but this is all new action rpg in the valkyrie series coming to playstation 5 and playstation 4 and steam this year and so I guess it's about the richness of Norse mythology, and it presents an original story set in a world on the brink of destruction, full of danger and fast-paced action combat. So the game's protagonist is a young Valkyrie who is entrusted with the fate of the world by the All-Father, the highest of gods and ruler of all creation. She will face various enemies on her quest and must utilize a variety of weapons, magic, and the power of her allies to prevent Ragnarok, the destruction of the world. So this is a long-running RPG series that's been around since, I think, like the year 1999 or 2000. I have not played it uh, before, like I said earlier, 
But I think the reaction I saw to this was pretty mixed. I think the folks who like Valkyrie were excited to get a new installment in the series. While I know Imran said he couldn't stop laughing, and why that is, I don't know, but probably, who knows, actually, I'm not going to put words in his mouth. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was what they closed the show out with. And so the way they shut out the uh, state of play was, they said, okay, here's two new unannounced games from Square Enix, and Andrew and my mind immediately goes to Final Fantasy IX Remake. I want to manifest that <laughs> son of a bitch. I can't help it. I can't help myself. Listen, like, there's been so many cues, and they just put out a 35th anniversary website where they're like, oh, there's so much cool, exciting things happening this year. I understand. Um, so this was the thing they closed out with. Cool. Even the even the woman who has a very nice voice, I might add, was like, "We'll see you for another state of play soon." She ended on such like a somber note. Even she was like, Bleh, about this whole presentation. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I doubt she had opinions or feelings about about the presentation, but I know. But my God, at least like leave the people on a high note. Be like, "Yeah, it was fucking awesome. Fake it till you make it, even if it's not." But the other game they teased the the first unannounced Square Enix title. Is something called Diofield Chronicle, and this is an all-new strategy RPG from Square Enix that, quote, immerses players in an epic tale of war and honor and comes to PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo, and Steam later this year. So that's that's cool. So it reminded folks a lot of Final Fantasy Tactics, and um, the announcement trailer, here we go, unveiled today, provided a first look at the story, a new deeply strategic real-time battle system called Real-Time Tactical Battle. <laughs> <laughs> the titles they give their clever. mechanics. Yeah, it's like HD 2.5 or whatever. Anyway, told through stunning diorama-style combat scenes, players will assess frontline conditions in real time, issue decisive orders, and use a variety of skills, classes, and equipment to gain the upper hand over their foes. It's set in a beautiful and unique world, blending fantasy, medieval, and modern-day influences. And the music was is composed by Raman Dijuandi, whatever, people known for the work on Game of Thrones, Andrea. I feel like that's a tie for you. Because you love Game of Thrones, so I feel like, therefore, you must love this game. I think that's how it works. Oh, um, it's not, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> you know me and these type of real-time combat games is just not my thing. Yeah, and you know, like, I think I'll give this a shot, but don't hate me, everyone. But Final Fantasy Tactics, I've never played it. It just never really appealed to me. I did like the Back in the day, I wasn't all about the strategy. And now that I'm older and more wiser, I'd like to think maybe I would be into it if I gave it a shot. But I think it looks really pretty. I like the way it looks. But um, it's just not like a huge priority of mine right now. But I know a lot of folks blew their load over it. So for you, I am very ecstatic. And I say good for you. You got what you wanted. Go on with your bad self. Go on with your bad self. Indeed. Um, there were several other announcements that happened, including the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yes. collection. Um, Gundam Evolution um, is bringing their um, free-to-play FPS uh, to PlayStation. And then we got a new Ghostwire Tokyo trailer. And you're going to be talking about Ghostwire Tokyo in the next segment. Um, not really. No? I can't talk about it yet. But I can talk about Prelude. One game, Andrea, that I still don't know what it is that I want to like briefly touch on is Stranger of Paradise. Okay. I I should want this. This is like a spin-off of the original Final Fantasy. It's like a retelling of the tale. They're, they announced that there's a third demo coming out, that your um, save data will come over, and I think that's fantastic. But I'm watching all the trailers I've seen, and granted, I haven't played any demos. I'm just not like, I'm not vibing with it. And yeah. I think it's because I just don't know what it what it 
is or what it's trying to be. And I guess that's why there are demos out. But from what I understand, even folks who have played the demos are still like, what is happening? But, and I don't want to be negative Nancy here, but it almost looks so bad it looks like good. Like the morbid curiosity is getting the best of me. You know what I mean? Sort of. Yeah. I, I, that must just be like a longtime Final Fantasy fan in you that is holding on to like, ooh, it, it just has the name Final Fantasy in it, so I have to check it out. 100%. But yeah. I think it's like so the- tough because, like, as you know, like that franchise has gone in so many different directions. I don't think that there's a unified fan base anymore for Final Fantasy stuff. It's like, um, it's, yeah, it's too much to saying. consume. Even like the mm-hmm. most diehard Final Fantasy fans you know, probably don't play everything. I would love to talk to somebody who's played every single Final Fantasy game that's ever been made. Every PC, console, mobile game. All of them. You know they're out there. Show yourselves to to us. But what I do think is interesting about this is it does support up to three people playing together, which is, you know, besides Final Fantasy fourteen, like, that's cool. That's that's kind of a first. And maybe we had some mechanic in the older ones where... Back, you know, some older games, I don't know if Final Fantasy did this, you could actually join your party members during the combat, but not in any of the, op- in the world exploration. So maybe other games had that. But either way, like, cool. Like, I have to check it out. I'm just so curious about it. But uh, when? Who knows? Who could say? <laughs> Who could say? Well, that's going to do it for our recap of the PlayStation State of Play. We definitely have some more news to get to. But before we do that, I want to let you know that this episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh? With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why, friends, it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients to your door, including farm-fresh produce that arrives within a week, so you get convenience without skimping on quality. Skip the trip to the grocery store, saving the wait in long lines, and ensuring you don't waste money on excess food. We've all thrown out those baby carrots. You said you were going to eat this time, but once again, you didn't. And am I talking about myself? Maybe I am. Don't judge me. Warm yourself up with the inside from the inside out with limited time recipes inspired by cozy classics from around the world like beef tenderloin and cheese fondue or miso sesame shrimp and bacon ramen. Or you can try their fit and wholesome recipes for satisfying and nutritious meals that you can feel good about with six recipes per week to choose from, including low calorie and carb conscious options. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need to easily customize your order online or in the app. Easily change your delivery date, food preferences, and plan size, or skip a week whenever you need to. And this is a new feature that I absolutely love. So as much as I love the taste of pork, let me just save you the nitty-gritty details. It does not love my system very much. So some of my most favorite pork meals, I am now able to replace the pork with chicken. And like, it's still fantastic. It makes me happy. And it makes my stomach happy too. And I, Andrea, just had these delicious one-pan easy cheesy chicken quesadillas. And I just Ooh. love saying that. Easy peasy chicken quesadilla. Delicious. You know, they do have fun names. I had um, Cajun, kicking kick Cajun chicken cutlets today. Oh, those are good too. Mm-hmm. I've had those. And it's fun to talk about your the meals you've had with your friends because you feel like you're in a little club. You're like, yo, girl, have you tried the easy peasy chicken? And she's like, yeah. Instant yeah. connection. You know what I mean? 
Anyway, if you want to try the easy peasy chicken quesadillas yourself, you can go to HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 16 and use code What's Good 16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 16 and use code What's Good 16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Brittany, you may have heard that shit's real bad over in Ukraine. And Mm -hmm. while we are not a podcast on current events or world news, we do want to call out that we send our hearts and our love out to everybody who is suffering over there and want to call attention to some awesome charitable stuff that's happening. There's lots of people doing streaming and raising money to try to help the people. And the way that the video game community has really rallied around the devs that are in Ukraine and the surrounding areas has been really inspiring. And so I was really excited to see that the folks over at um, Itch.io have put together a bundle for Ukraine and it includes almost a thousand games you heard that correctly almost 1000 games that's a bunch of games all available for a minimum donation of just ten dollars and all the proceeds raised will be split between two charities the international medical corps and the voices of children uh, the former provides medical assistance in the region while the latter is a ukrainian organization that supports children coping with the horrors of war and of course you can always pay above the ten dollar minimum if you want to do more to help out um, at the time of recording the podcast i just pulled up the bundle page they are currently at 3.19 million of their four million dollar goal which is phenomenal so lots of people have been contributing there's eight more days to go if you want to get in on this by the time the podcast goes up there'll be six more days to go Um, and I just wanted to call out a couple of the incredible games that are in the bundle Um, some highlights include Celeste which is a a personal favorite of mine I really loved that game Um, Super Hot Mm. the action RPG cross code puzzle game uh, Baba is You and a short hike, which I know you really enjoyed, Brittany. Yeah. Um, musical adventure, wander song, and plenty more. One that I just picked out as I was scrolling through the list of all the games is called Thirsty Sword Lesbians. Oh my god! What? And, That's and, incredible. And I was like, okay, I need to learn more. The art of it is phenomenal. Um, Thirsty Sword Lesbians battle the Lady of Chains when her enforcers march down from the frosty north. I'm just, I love it. It's a role-playing game for telling queer stories with friends. If you love angsty disaster lesbians with swords, then you have to, you've come to the right place. Oh my God, (laughs) sign me up. I didn't know I needed this in my life, but now I do. (laughs) So there's a bunch of different kinds of games in the bundle. So if you want to help out a couple great causes and also get some games, so you guys might want to check that out the itchio bundle for ukraine and all you have to do is just type it into google and you can go right to the website and uh, get all those games so i just wanted to call that out so people are like what can i do to help i feel kind of lost and you don't know where to go now you now you have a place you'll never literally need to buy another game in your life yeah. <laughs> so many it's games. a lot of games it's a lot oh my god um wow. Brittany, we have some news about lost judgment yeah, we fucking do. Let's go. <laughs> it's a good time to be alive, ladies and gentlemen, because we have information on the Kaito Files. So this is the promised DLC, the final piece of DLC that we know of for Lost Judgment. So this comes from Game Informer. 
If you're excited for more story content in the world of Judgment and its sequel, Lost Judgment, the Kaido Files will hit the game on March 28th. Described as a story expansion for Lost Judgment centered around Masaharu Kaito, excuse me, who will actually be the playable character for the DLC, the Kaito Files will hit PS5, Xbox Series XS, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. Now here's the juicy synopsis, Andrea. Yagami is out of town, and Kaito is left to take on the remaining work at the Yagami Detective Agency. Everything changes when Kaito is offered a case with a lucrative reward, 20 million yen to find a CEO's missing wife. Things take a twist when it's revealed that the missing person in question is Kaito's ex-lover. Oh, what? Oh, shit, right? That's what I'm saying. Left to put it back to left to put back together the pieces of his past and discover the fate of a woman presumed dead, Kaito won't stop until he's cracked the case for good. So if you have the Lost Judgment Ultimate Edition or the Season Pass, you're all good for this when it comes out on March 28th. If not, this article <coughs> says you can buy the Kaito Files DLC separately for $29.99, which is a little misleading because for $29.99, you get all of the DLC which gives you, and I'm just going to run down a little list of things. I'm really trying to shill this right now. New extract <laughs> recipes, more detective dogs, drones, skateboards, skate parks, new Sega Master System games, additional girlfriends, motorcycles, robots, new boxing combat style, the ability to spar with your friends, new dance moves, healing items, etc. You get a lot for $29.99, and this is going to be at least 10 hours of content, and you get like a skill tree with 70 new moves. Anyway... Sign me the fuck up. I'm absolutely playing this. I mean, surprising no one. But what I think is really cool about this is Kaido has been a really big deal. And this is why I love it. I got Andrea trapped, ladies and gentlemen. She can't <laughs> escape me. She has to just, like, stare into her camera. And I just, got, I got, I'm and ready. Just smile and nod, baby girl. Um, anywho, so he is obviously Yagami's right-hand man, a huge part of the story. And he's also just he's always kind of known as, like, the muscle man of Yagami Detective Agency. And we know a little bit about his past, but not a lot. And I admittedly, when I first think of Kaito, Andrea, I think of just, like, uh, what's the word for someone who's all brawn and no brain? A meathead, perhaps. Meathead's a good one, yeah. Okay, meathead. But he's not that. Like, in the the lines you see with him and in certain story moments, he's actually like a very genuine man with a heart and a nice soul. And he's a good guy and he has a troubled history and past. And I feel like he's just never got enough, like, depth. And so this DLC makes a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of sense. And I am just so thrilled we're getting it. I get more fucking RGG content, Andrea, this month. It has been, it is, I am hashtag blessed. (laughs) Between Like a Dragon and Lost Judgment and now this, I am living my very best life and I am just so excited for it. So yay. Good job. I'm happy for you. Thank you. Good. That's all. I just had to get that out of my system. Well, I'm I'm glad uh, because now we get to talk more about Pokemon as if you haven't talked enough about Pokemon the last two weeks that I've been gone. Thank you, by the way, for um, doing most of that when I wasn't here. Um, (laughs) Pokemon cards have sent a man to prison for using COVID relief funds to buy the shiny Charizards. Uh, I saw this headline and I was like, of course, some freaking asshole decides to take funds that were designed to help small businesses and just like squanders it away on Pokemon cards. So this write-up comes from IGN. A man from Georgia has been jailed for fraudulently using relief payments to buy a rare shiny Charizard Pokemon card. The 31-year-old Vanath 
Odomson pretended to be a a small business owner to receive an $85,000 economic injury disaster loan and then spent most of it on the card. In the first edition, shadowless holographic Charizard, super rare, super shiny, was bought for $57,789 in December and has now been handed over to the state. Oh, no, it's going to be in evidence? He pleaded guilty to fraud and was sentenced to three years in prison. Three years of supervised release afterwards and also must pay a $10,000 fine on top of the loan repayment. Man. So this quote below, I'm I'm jiggy with it. You know what I mean? But then he says something. So the acting, acting special agent in charge of the FBI, Philip Winslow, said... COVID-19 disaster relief loans are issued by the government to help businesses struggling to survive during a pandemic, not for use for a trivial collectible item. Excuse me, sir. Listen, Charizard, that's someone's fucking retirement. Well, I'm dropping the F-bomb stuff in right today. I'm fired up. Trivial collectible. You know, I'm sure you have pop caps and baseball cards and stamps. You're in, you work for the FBI. You're probably at least like 65. I think that's all your generation collected back in the day, right? Like, look at my stamp collection, honey. <laughs> oh, no. This Charizard's only going to accrue in value. And this guy did a very bad thing. I'm not saying that. But don't you dare call the Charizard's trivial collectible items, says one person who owns a Charizard shiny card like this. Um, that's probably why I'm getting a little hot and bothered right now. Uh, oh. Anyway. There you go. So I guess the TLDR is don't fuck over the government, because now our government, Andrea, is, is in possession of a very expensive Pokemon card. Yeah. Like, what do you do with that? Do you put it, like, on auction later and, like, someone pays, like, $3.50 for it? Like, That's a great question. Yeah, I don't know no. what happens to that kind of stuff. Because <laughs> it's not like they can, like, like just, years? like, give it to somebody. He can't get it. He can't get it back. Right? Yeah, I don't know. So. so somewhere locked away in some evidence chamber is a very expensive Pokemon card. There you go. I don't know. It's the time we're in. This is the time we're in. So if you're you saying we like, need to plan a break-in to the FBI in Georgia to steal absolutely. the shiny Charizard. And the number one step to that is to announce it on a public podcast, just like we did. It's great. <laughs> it's going to be fine. <laughs> what could go wrong? They're never going to find out. What? They're never going to find out. Absolutely not. Oh, man. Well, there you have it. I love it. Uh, We got a couple quick in case you missed it. Gotham Knights finally has a release date. It's coming out October 25th. So nice spoopy times in Gotham playing um, against some evil villains of the DC Universe. And then via deadline, Sony is reportedly looking to bring a God of War show to Amazon Prime in a live action TV series. The series adaptation comes from the Expanse creators and executive producers, Mark Fergus and Hawk Otsby, and the Wheel of Time executive producer and showrunner, Rafi Judkins, as well as Sony Pictures Television and PlayStation Production. So that's a powerhouse team. Um, both of those shows um, are incredible. Um, very happy with both of those. I don't know how I feel about a God of War show. I kind of feel like Sony maybe just needs to like cool their jets a bit. <laughs> nothing sacred anymore right no i mean listen i get that like they have a lot of beloved properties and they want to like get in get on the transmedia wave that's happening but they need to like do it right first like don't spread yourself so thin that you can't quality control your shit you know Mm -hmm. we have to see how the last of us tv series is gonna do and we have to see how the ghost of tsushima stuff is gonna do we got twisted metal 
Twisted Metal, be which I forgot a about. Shit show, but I am so excited for that. Oh. It seems like people were mixed on Uncharted. Some people liked it, and some people were like, meh. But yeah. I don't think I saw a single person being like, this is amazing. Nah. Right? No, so, like, no. it did okay, which is fine. But, like, when you've got such great properties like this, you gotta, you wanna do them justice, you know? Yeah. I mean, they also have all that Resident Evil stuff they're working on, too. I mean, it's just like, I mean, granted, that's not Sony, but, like, it's yeah. just another video game thing that everyone's just kind of they're really diving into. You know, it's like now more than ever, it's like streaming services. That's where the money is. Hmm. Well, I, I, I get that, you know, it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a cash grab, but at oh. the yeah. same time, I'm like, just, you know what I think is ironic about it is I think the one that has the most potential to do well is Twisted Metal. Cause I think expectations for that are so low, low, are so low. And I think it's going to be an absolute shit show, but I think I might be the most excited for that one out of all of these. Because I fucking love Twisted Metal, and I'm just looking for something stupid. I don't watch a lot of TV, Andrea, you know, unless it's one yeah. Judge Judith Scheindlin. But if you put Twisted Metal on there, you give me Axel, you give me Sweet Tooth, which we already know is involved. Maybe throw in some Hammerhead, throw in Minion, Mr. Grimm, Spectre, like, Mr. Slam. Like, I'm all for that. Granted, I really hope they lean heavily on Twisted Metal, too. But the overall lore is the same. So, Anywho, like, how do you feel about Anthony Anthony Mackie being announced as a executive producer and star in the series? I honestly have no opinion because I couldn't tell you one thing Anthony Mackie has done. Oh, he's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He is. Oh my gosh, I almost said Hawkeye. I'm like, no, that's not right. He uh, is. Cap. Uh, he's he's the new Captain America. But oh, okay. He's, um, oh my gosh, with the wings. Why am I fucking forgetting what his name is? There's a bunch of people. Falcon. 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 Ha. Uh, I think that's are, great. People I'm across sure. the internet are like screaming. Andrew, how do you not know? Yeah, um, so like that's the thing. I don't really watch a lot of those movies myself, so that's why. But I, he, I'm looking yeah. at him right now. I'm on the Googles. He looks like a very intelligent, nice gentleman. I'm sure he will do a wonderful job. <laughs> I'm rooting for you, Anthony Mackie. Nice to meet you. I thought he was great in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the Disney Plus series. I thought that was great. So, so it sounds like you have a really good actor in what could be a really like kind of bad show, but a good bad show. Well, let's hope it's not bad. Well, I mean, yeah. Let's hope, Andrea. Let's Fingers hope. crossed that it's not bad, Brit. I, I think it's going to be like so cheesy bad that it's going to be good because it's an action comedy. And I feel like when you kind of put those two together, there's, you know what I mean? It's, it, yeah. it's just, we'll see. We'll see. Time <sighs> will tell. Uh, Ubisoft's The Settlers has been delayed again. There's no new release date. That's, that's the update. Uh, Nintendo has delayed Advance Wars... Uh, due to the war in Ukraine, of all things, the original release date was scheduled for April 8th and no new date was given. Uh, mm -hmm. Forspoken, as we already mentioned, has already been delayed, um, which I don't know if we specifically called out that the October release date is part of a delay, but it is. Uh, and then Halo Infinite's campaign split screen co-op has been delayed again. Wah, wah. Will no longer launch on May 3rd, but they're still yeah. gunning for a co-op launch later on in season two, which kicks off, of course, later in the spring. Man, that's a whole thing. I I had so much fun with Halo Infinite, and it's such a shame that I feel like there was so much hype and like ramp up and like gust behind that launch and it was like what everyone was talking about and now just with everything it's just kind of like 
no one's really talking about it that much anymore. It just hasn't been that much enthusiasm. And obviously it makes sense. You know, we haven't gotten a lot of the main features that we've wanted. And it's just kind of like, man, Returnal gets co-op before Halo Infinite. Like, what? I would love to, like, be a fly on the wall at 343 and figure out, like, what went wrong. Like, what's what's holding them up from releasing that? Because Camp Game Co-op feels like such a quintessential part of the Halo experience. Yeah. And I am so puzzled why it's been so delayed. So my understanding in layman's terms because like I'm not a developer but my TLDR understanding is that they just really struggled with the constant checkpoints in Halo Infinite because now for the first time it's this huge open world and so if you allow what is it like to four players to play together how do you manage the checkpoints if I go off to one side of the map and I complete like a base or whatever they're called it's been too long I don't remember and then like someone else goes off and defeats like something else or like conquer something or it does some story progression like how do you make all of those elements play nice with one another. I think that's what they were saying was one of the major hurdles. Um, mm. And this was like months ago, like right when, you know, it had just first released. But, you know, there's like... Just, there's yeah. just been so many games that have done it, you know, that have done it like for years. It's not like this is a new thing, doing campaign co-op in an open world. Look at Borderlands. Borderlands has Far been doing Cry. it for like a decade. I think you know? Far and Cry so, too, Yeah. It's like if you're partied up with someone, only the party leader can initiate missions. That's it. That's how you solve it. Like that way people can't mm -hmm. go off and like do things and load up things and then the engine gets overwhelmed or whatever. It's like you restrict the activities to what the party leader is initiating. That's it. That's how you manage it. Yeah. Wow. And maybe that's what they're trying to get past is does and that's one of the big faults with Far Cry. I mean, I say faults in air quotes here, but take that as you will. The story progression is tied to the host. Right. right. And maybe that's something that they're trying to bypass. Like, I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, it's it's such a bummer. So hopefully, you know, it'll <laughs> it'll come later in season two, which kicks off May 3rd. Um, but it's not going to launch with it. So want, want. Well, guess you got to keep waiting, Britt. Sorry. Oh, it's not like, you know, I, I have no games to play, Andrea. I have literally nothing else to play right now. So I am just so sad. Because I'm just twiddling my thumbs every night with all of this free time that I have, wondering nothing, like what nothing to play right now. Nothing, no, not to play, a damn thing. Nothing to keep alive. <laughs> not a little human in my life to make sure it's fed and changed constantly. You know. Oh, <laughs> if only, if only. Um, all right, everybody, that's gonna do it for our new segment. When we come back, we're gonna talk about what we've been playing. Stick with us. We'll be right back. everybody welcome back to the second segment of the what's good games podcast this is where we talk about what we've been playing and any preview events that we've been to and this week it's brought to you by express vpn now you've heard me talk about how important it is to have a vpn to protect your online privacy but choosing a vpn you trust is equally as important now I like to do a lot of research on my sponsors, and I only recommend brands that I trust our listeners can believe in. And I can say with full confidence that ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. Now, here's why. First, ExpressVPN doesn't log your activity online. Lots of cheap or free VPNs on the market make money by selling your data to advertisers. But ExpressVPN does not do this. They even developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing data at all. So you don't have to worry about it. 
Number two, speed. ExpressVPN now uses Lightweight, a new VPN protocol that they've engineered to make user speeds faster than ever. And I've tried a couple other VPNs in the past, and sometimes they can really slow your connection down. But ExpressVPN is blazing fast and lets me stream videos in HD quality with no buffering. Because buffering feels like so 2015, doesn't it? Uh, the last thing I really want to let you guys know about ExpressVPN is how easy it is to use. You don't need any technical skills to set it up. Just fire up the app, tap the one button to connect, and that's it. Even your grandparents could do it. Now, it's not just me saying this. If you don't trust Andrea Renee, maybe you trust Business Insider, The Verge, and many other technical journals that rate ExpressVPN as the number one VPN in the world. So protect yourself with the VPN that we use and trust here at What's Good Games. Use our link expressvpn.com slash what's good games today and get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash what's good games. Visit expressvpn.com slash what's good games to learn more. This episode of What's Good Games is also brought to you by Hide It Mounts. Hide-It mounts are simple wall mount solutions for everything you plug into your TV. From gaming consoles to streaming devices and more, Hide-It has a mount for you and Hide-It makes mounts for literally all kinds of things. Whether you've got next-gen consoles like the PS5 or the Xbox Series S, or maybe you have older consoles like your PS4s and your Xbox Ones, streaming devices, cable boxes, sound bars, speakers, even sporting equipment, which admittedly, you don't plug into your television, even though if you had a baseball bat that you plugged into your television, I would be curious to see it. Hide It customers love all kinds of products that they can get there, from gamers to parents to tech fans to athletes, so it also makes really great gifts if you're not buying for yourself. You can display all kinds of things with Hide It Mounts. Now, I've been using Hide It Mounts here in our house for a while, so John actually first kind of turned me on to them because we wanted to mount a PlayStation behind a television in our gym, so as our Brittany has talked to me, uh, you can play on your treadmill, right? Everyone wants mm. to play games on their treadmill and fall mm -hmm. on their face like I do, right? No, just kidding. No falling on your face. Um, so that's how I found out about them. But now they have all kinds of new products. And I am super pumped about the soundbar mount, to be, uh, to be frank, because it's been taking up so much space on my media console. Can't wait to get that up and running. And the last generation had so many amazing custom consoles that we've got a collection going here and they're just sitting in their boxes right now and we're going to put them out on display and I will be showing you guys that on my Instagram if you want to check it out. So if you are interested in learning more about Hide It Mounts and all the cool things that you can mount with your television, you go to hideitmounts.com slash what's good. That's H-I-D-E-I-T-M-O-U-N-T-S dot com slash what's good to get your Hide It Mount today. Brittany, before we get into chatting about what we've been playing, I would love to give some recognition to some of the members of our amazing Patreon community at patreon.com slash what's good games in our monthly shout outs. So normally we would have done this last week at the end of February, but because I was out sick, we weren't able to. But now we are bringing back the list of names that we inevitably are going to mispronounce. Oh, yeah. And you know what, Andrea? I'm going to kick it off. Do with it. With Fiargo Brady. Aw, what's good, Brady? Uh, Ryan Sathel. Jake Fienice? Fuck. Jake, Fine? I'm sorry. I, 
I think we said his name right one time, and then he was so proud of us, and now we're butchering it. Finois. Finet. Okay, next. Perfect. Nathaniel Edison. Bill Rosas. Tyler Adams. Oh, God. Erskine James. Casual Blasphemy. Trick 24. Sean Little. Omega 3. Jason Luck. Maroon.noon. Daniel Hull. Kevin Brown. <laughs> Alexander David. Eric Z. Dracos 3442. Um, Chewy's Godson. Californicated. Mick the Nanobiologist. L. Tribesman. Tara Bruno. Trent Berry. Sean I. Elizabeth Douglas. Brian R. Johnston. Justin Foshi. Patrick Landry. Punctified. Boo, Rob Leonard. Melanthius Owens. Professor Woke. Patrick Higgins. Kenneth Stimmel. Even Flow 2. Trent Pennington. Emily Kent. Ferris Atier. Atia. Atia. See? You know it's what's funny worse. about this is that I've had the pleasure of meeting Ferris multiple Me times too. in person, um, as you have. And we said to Ferris, we're like, hey, um, I think we've been like butchering your name. He's like, you have been. And he, we were like, how do, we, how do you pronounce it? He's like, you're never going to be able to pronounce it right. So just say it like this. And we were like, okay. Thanks for being understanding, Ferris. Uh, Jessica Harris Blue. Say it wrong. Patrick Weller. <laughs> Matthew Goddard. Noel Navarez. Tyler McCall. Joe Wilson. Devin Nitz. Adriana Rock Williams. Shai Jackson Burgess. Renette Burns. Joseph Bassa. Gary Peck. Dale Sun. Robert F. Freemering. Also, shout out to Freemering for the amazing controllers that you sent. It's oh, very yeah. kind of you. I posted them on Twitter. You're a very, Thank very you. lovely, nice person. Carl uh, Malene. Marcus Ian Brown. Peach Maker. Bill Stilwell. Teresa Enert. Hesondemak. Alex Rogopoulos. Andrew Colton. Kia B. David Iacolucci. Elmo Shell. Gio Corsi. Molly Bittner. Yay, Molly. You're kicking ass. Ozzy Chia. Nicole Humphrey. Stephanie Fitzwilliam. John Drake. And one Trianglo Stiake. Thank you, everybody, for supporting us on Patreon and keeping What's Good Games going. I had tweeted a couple weeks back that I am so grateful for everybody who stuck by us during our break when we were on maternity leave and who continues to support the show. It really means the world to us. And we just want to say thank you and we love you. And uh, you guys are the best. Now let's talk about some video games, Brittany. So we mentioned in the news that you have been playing Ghostwire Tokyo. So you can't really talk a lot about what you've been playing because that embargo is coming up. It's not now. Correct. But you have been playing something called The Prelude. Yeah. So Ghostwire Tokyo Prelude is the prequel visual novel that Brian and I talked about last week. And it took me, and it's free, on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5, and it took me maybe like 30 minutes. To, oh, so it's to, real short. Oh, it's super short, yeah. And I was going to say it took me 30 minutes to play, but more like it took me 30 minutes to read. Um, you know, excuse me, I just burped. It's this like freaking cream liqueur I just had. Woo-wee. Anyway, it's making me drool. It's fine. Um, and so how it works is, you know, visual novel, right? You have like these comic book-esque scenes in front of you and you have dialogue none of it's voice acted it's mostly ambient sounds um and you just read and in a few instances you can choose which team member you want to talk with so it follows kk who is the uh spirit who inhabits akito in the main game 
And this kind of gives a little bit of background on who he is, what kind of person he is. It doesn't give away a lot of story stuff, but um, it, it does kind of shed some light on what his morals are, if, if you will, and what kind of person he really is deep down. So, And then you also get to briefly interact with three of his team members who I know at some point, and this is just based off of the preview that Andre and I attended, so this has something to do with my actual gameplay that I've played myself, you have some sort of interaction with. So I would say if you're interested in Ghostwire Tokyo, you should absolutely download this and just like play through it, read through it. Um, there are a few decisions you have to make, but nothing like stressful or overwhelming, a few little battles that you have to do, but it's all super easy stuff. And, it, and I think it was, a, I'm glad I did it. It was a good, it was something nice to play right before I hopped into the actual game. Um, yeah, I mean, it's nothing remarkable. I mean, it's, I would almost say, like, the writing's fine. It's a little cheesy, but maybe that's because it wasn't voice acted. Like, I don't know. Either way, like, it, it gets the point across. It does what it wants to do, and it doesn't take up much of your time. So that is Ghostwire Tokyo Prelude, and that is the only thing I can talk about this week, Andrea Renee. Well, well, well. Um, I have been playing a lot of Horizon Forbidden West. So I am around 75 hours clocked in and I finally have rolled credits. Not platinumed the game. I don't know if I'm going to platinum the game because there's a lot more busy work this time around than there was in the first game. But I feel like the platinum is still pretty achievable. I've seen a lot of people have been platinum platinuming it recently. And I really enjoyed my time with it. And I still think this game is phenomenal i think the thing i wish more people gave recognition to horizon forbidden west for is the diversity of storylines that are in this game Mm. as represented through aaron's side quests and your companions that are part of the main quest line they tackle some really important topics they talk about what it's like to Um, lose an arm and deal with phantom limb pain. Mm -hmm. They talk about what it's like to be um, in a, you know, relationship with different genders. There's non-binary characters. There's uh, relationships with elderly people and like dealing with ageism. There's just Mm. so much that they kind of just tackle head on and they don't make it controversial, which I really like. They really kind of normalize these moments to say, hey, we wanted to make our game inclusive. We wanted to include characters and themes and missions that would speak to multiple kinds of gamers that exist in our community. And we wanted to normalize them without being showy about it. And I love that. I love mm-hmm. that Gorilla didn't feel the need to like wave a big flag about their inclusivity and their diversity within the writing of this game, that they just did it to show that it can easily be done by any studio and that you can normalize these situations. And I 
I love that. I love that there's all of these different little nuggets that you find throughout the world. And it's something that I think they haven't gotten enough positive call outs for and why I think it's still obviously my game of the year so far. Obviously, it's only March. We got a ways to go to get to December. And there's a lot of games like Elden Ring that are pulling focus for people. It's really kind of mm-hmm. a water cooler moment. And yes, I have the game. Um, it was provided to me by Bandai and I'm going to play it. I'm committed to playing. Okay. Um, but I'm not committed to, you know, being sold on it. I still, there's still some fundamental things about who from software is as a development studio that I kind of take pause with and struggle with. And obviously there's plenty of people having the conversation around accessibility and difficulty, which always comes up whenever a from software game is released. And I encourage people to seek out those conversations if that's something that they want. It's just, I just get bummed, Brit, that they as a studio are doing such incredible, cool things with gameplay design, but then just obstinately ignoring this large portion of gamers who say, hey, couldn't I have a fucking pause button? Yeah, I saw that you know? people in order to pause had to open up a specific menu, which actually It's like a weird a hack, you know? And yeah. it's interesting to me that the diehard fans of From Software Games find excuses and reasons for everything. I think in the comments of somebody talking about this like weird pause workaround, somebody was like, oh, but that's the beauty of Soulsborne games is that you have to figure out how to make the world work. I go, that's not figuring out a game mechanic. That's literally finding a hack around a lack of developmental features. Yeah. yeah. Mm, Yeah. I mean, and here's, I understand people want to support. It's a creator's vision. This is the kind of, okay, like, but I don't. I feel like what people sometimes lose the focus of is the more people that can enjoy and play a specific game, the better it is for everybody. Because now you have more, a bigger pool. You have more funding coming into your beloved game, and like, there's nothing bad with that. And accessibility and difficulty are two different things, and I think people kind of get that mixed up sometimes. And yeah, um, as you know, new parents who live and die off of a literal pause button, like. I can't, I don't understand it. Like, why would you not include a, it's fine. Like I, there was a time in my life, yes, where I could play a game and not have to worry about pausing. But, you know, I just feel like 90% of people like need a pause button. It's a simple, simple thing. Yeah. And it's an odd choice, but. Oh and well. I, I've seen people make the argument that, oh, but it's an online game. But Andrea, you play Destiny, the game I'm about to talk about. You can't pause in Destiny, one of my like big gripes about it and why I haven't been playing a lot of Destiny. And I would say the online components of Destiny are vastly different than the online components of a game like Elden Ring, which is primarily a single-player focused RPG that you are usually playing solo. Now, can you play a bunch of it with somebody? Yes, but it's not inherently the same multiplayer component that a lot of these other multiplayer games that you can't pause are particularly the pvp elements right like obviously that's why Mm -hmm. pause doesn't really work in multiplayer games with pvp so i don't know i think that there's a workaround there it's just one of many design choices in elder ring that i know i'm gonna kind of like hit the frustration wall with (laughs) but i'm really hoping against hope Brittany, that i can capture some of the wonder and magic that people are finding in Elden yes. Ring and 
really see the game for what it really excels at. Mm-hmm. And that's why I want to try it because I, you know, I want to drink some of the Kool-Aid. Like Me too. It feels like this like club that, you know, I, I'm left out of because I like, you know, being able to manage my time in a game a little bit more wisely. And it's sometimes challenging because it was interesting. I was talking with my friend about this game and I had said to her, I go, I don't know why it just feels like I can't come across any Soulsborne fans who are welcoming and kind. Feels like every single one that I run across wants to rub it in my face how I'm just not good enough to play Soulsborne games or that I just don't get it or whatever thing they throw at me. And Mm. I'm like, I'm genuinely trying to understand why people love these games. Why are you being so mean to me about it? And I think that's the real trouble that a lot of people are having that don't normally play from software games is that it feels like a lot of the community is not welcoming. And the people that are, are in the shadows, right? It's forever that problem that video games suffers from is that the vast majority of us are cool people who share a passion for this wonderful interactive art form and just love playing games and love helping people play games. Yeah. But then like, the rude fuck boys are like the loudest vocal minority that overshadow the conversation. And I feel like that's what's happening for me with Elden Ring right now. I'm really mm. close to the point of muting Elden Ring on Twitter. And I don't mute things on Twitter. It's just not my bag. I like seeing the yeah. conversation. I like seeing what's happening. I don't like blocking out conversation, but I absolutely encourage people to utilize the mute feature if it makes you feel more comfortable in online spaces, do what's good for you, boo. Absolutely. But I'm close now because like so much of the conversation around it has been toxic. But there's also been some really funny videos that people post of them getting bosses down to like a sliver of health and then getting <laughs> killed by something random, like a goat. Like I whatever. saw like, I think some, yeah, someone skeleton was holding a torch or something. And oh yeah, that was the big one that made it around. That was yeah. Yeah, the other one I saw. But no, I'm with you. I think it's, it's really cool right now because I feel like my timeline is just flooded with Elden Ring. But I love it because, like you said, it's that water cooler moment that I feel like we don't get a heck of a lot in this industry. I mean, I think the biggest one was obviously Pokemon Go, <laughs> right, back in the day. Oh, yes. Huge. Yeah. Huge. And then now that we're seeing everyone playing Elden Ring, and I love watching the videos. Rebecca Valentine has a fantastic thread on Twitter where she's always adding stuff to it. And, I mean, I look at it, and it just looks like so much my cup of tea, like, from a visual standpoint, like, that gothic, like, open world fantasy setting. And I'm looking at it, and I'm drooling because it looks pretty, and the combat does look so much fun. But, yeah, I mean, I do want to play it, but I just know right now, well, not only am I balls deep in review copies, I just, I don't have the, the, the patience for it right now. But that doesn't mean, like, I'm trying to shit on it. And I think when we say, like, it's not for us or like why isn't there a pause button I mean it's like me and Pokemon I critique the thing I love the most it doesn't mean I hate Elden Ring it's just that like these are some odd design choices and other games are really guilty of this too I think if every online local multiplayer game sorry local I mean like online like here Andrew quick quick diversion here I'm playing Grim Dawn having a fucking blast with that game it is so much fun it's like the Diablo I've wanted for so long I guess I could have talked about that this week what was I thinking anyway I'm having a fantastic time playing it it's the isometric dungeon crawler i am right now look at this i'm fuck elden ring for now i'm talking about grim dawn anyway the thing and other games do this too and i don't know i don't think borderlands does this which is like the outlier but when two people are playing a game and it's just them and they're playing online if both people pause the game the game itself should pause and that 
is a fucking rule of life, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know why they don't do it that way because then you're both getting body on the outside. Anyway, I digress. Grim Dawn, fantastic game. 100% recommend it. But anyway, we're allowed to critique Elden Ring. We're allowed to critique these other games. And it's not that we're, like I said, we're shitting on it and saying they're terrible, awful games. And oh my God, why would you do this? It's just like, we don't understand it sometimes. And instead of just people being, well, here, let me give you my perspective. Like, ah, oh, you fucking suck. And then you close the door on us. And then we're like, yo, that's that's kind of shitty. And now, you know, there's our perspective on it. But yeah. um, I've had a blast watching people play it on Twitter, posting their clips. And it's kind of like the vicarious thrill that I think is the most I'm going to get at this point. Uh, and I love it. Like, I, I so badly want to hop into it. And I think there would be that amazing reward rush of emotions right when you do defeat that boss when you do get the 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 mannerisms down i think that would be so much fun but right now i just i don't think i can touch it with a 10-foot pole and that makes me sad yeah i mean i i'm fully aware that i'm gonna go in and i'm gonna have to like commit and it's been interesting um kind of hearing john talk about his experience with elder ring because we've been Mm. isolated before he before he got stick with covid i we've been isolating away from each other i me and the sick baby on one end of the house and then he was in um our guest room and so we really have been spending a lot of time apart but what it meant was that you know we both equally had time for games because normally at the end of the day we come together and it's our time to reconnect and catch up and all that and we've been staying very far apart and but Mm -hmm. uh, alas he's sick now anyway um but and so he's been playing and tweeting about it, and he was like, I fully know that this is not really my game, but I'm going to try it anyway. But he said he was really interested by the exploration components of the game mm-hmm. and um, has mostly just been running away from enemies. And I think like he's just discovering like the frustration of his with the exploration is that like I want to explore, but I also like need a little bit of guidance. I don't want to like just run around what feels like forever and feel like I'm wasting time. And I think that's what's great. And what I love about Horizon is that they have two modes. They have exploration mode and then they have guided mode. So you can choose. Do I want to just run through the world without handholding and explore on my own and discover things? Or do I, you know, have a life? with a job and kids or pets or whatever. And I, you know, don't have time to just like luxuriate and just running around an open world video game. I need a little bit of signposting. And I think that's my frustration with from software is that they don't see the value in providing options for people. Instead, they're like, this is the way we're going to do it. And that's just the way it is. Mm. And that bums me out because I feel like they have a really unique set of games that they've created and clearly have captured the hearts of a lot of gamers but they've also alienated a lot of people intentionally which is why I think I'm just bummed about it it's not like they've approached the conversation of like well we're looking at how we can make our games more approachable and more accessible they're like no this is just the way it is you either like Mm, it or you don't interesting and I'm like but that sucks bro like (laughs) why why you gotta be like that that's that's a bummer yeah, I, know, I think they made their co-op a little easier this time around, which I heard got a lot of positive feedback from the community. Yeah. So maybe, maybe Andrea, in a few years, a few iterations, excuse me, a few installments, yeah. even more clear, you'll get I that feel like mode. It's, it would only change if the leadership at the studio changes, if there's sure. fundamentally a shift in philosophy in how they develop games. And now I don't think that they should change their base formula because clearly it's what people love like don't make the game like keep the combat you know this really methodical pattern based um 
combat, but then give people some handholds that want to experience the world, but like just can't in the current structure. All right. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say about that. I'm still going to try it, but I yeah, just, I-, I want them to want to be more inclusive and they're not. And I think that's like me just being yeah. like, wah, wah. And I guess, like, yeah, if you're someone who gets upset over the idea of them implementing an option, you know, for people who maybe want an easier time or want more guidance, like, ask yourself, why does this make me upset? Is it because you feel like I am the From Software Yacht Club or whatever, and I am, you know, I'm part of this cool thing, and no one else can participate in this because it's like a rite of passage? Like, I don't know. Like, it's just a video game, friends. Like, don't be so possessive over something, like, so trivial. You know, like, let other people enjoy the thing. If they ever do incorporate it, don't boycott them. It's fine. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know, Andrea. I got to be honest. I have spent a lot of time off of Twitter lately. And it's just because life has been really busy. You know. I mean, you've been sick. We we're both trying to keep what's good afloat. You know, we're trying to be good partners. We're trying to keep up with email. Like, it's a whole thing. I logged back onto Twitter the other day, and I saw some of this discourse happening. And I'm not saying the discourse isn't important, but yeah, it was a lot of people just being really upset. They were being upset about that. They were upset over one of the Pokemon starter stock images that was released, because if you flip it, one of the eyeballs looks like it's looking in a weird direction. Like, I don't know. But I was on Twitter for maybe five minutes, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, I get being passionate about something you love, but to cause such an uproar and be so upset and like let it devour like hours out of your day I don't know I says the girl who has a video game podcast where she gets round up all the time but I mean like this is fun like what we do is fun but people get so genuinely upset and it literally wrecks their day over some of the most trivial shit I had to like sign off I was like I don't know what's happening but I don't know I don't know I think people just get so wrapped up in such trivial shit sometimes and it's it makes me sad because life's important, friends. Like, your sanity is important. Go outside sometimes. Look. Look around. Take a breath. Touch some Find grass, joy. right? That's the saying? Yeah. Go touch yeah, some grass. Go touch some grass. Anyway, rant over. Um, you know where you can't touch grass? In space. Oh. Segway. Let's talk about destiny. <laughs> um, I know that there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast that like to hear me talk about destiny. And there's a lot of people who are like, I could give two fucks about destiny. So <laughs> I'm not going to talk too much about it because mostly I haven't played a ton of Witch Queen. But I will say, if you've been eyeing Destiny 2, the Witch Queen, as a way to potentially get back into destiny, now is literally the best time to ever play Destiny. Um, they've Ooh. streamlined a lot of the gameplay mechanics. They've definitely made it more approachable for new players. When you, If you've been away and you log in, everything in your vault and all of your gear is auto-leveled up to the base level for the brand new season, which Ooh. is great, which they've never done before. And... Um, you've been able to maybe auto level like certain parts, but like getting everything in your vault auto leveled is wonderful. So it really makes things just a lot simpler, a lot easier. Um, I'll show you guys the story trailer that came out for the witch queen. I will say if you've been away, the lore may be a little difficult to follow. Um, (laughs) It's difficult to follow anyway. Let's be real. (laughs) Correct. It is. I mean, they've done better at streamlining how the lore is delivered to you. And they've actually made a really cool in-menu system that looks like these little books that you can read in the game, which is great. Um, And, I mean, it's destiny. It feels great. Bungie, as a developer is best in class for first-person shooters. The guns feel good. Sound design is beautiful. It's 
really crispy at 60 frames per second. You can even play it at 120, depending on which console and which PC you have. I mean, and it's just, it looks beautiful. It, it's just a wonderful game. I It reminds me what I love so much about Destiny. And I think my, my biggest lament about Witch Queen is that with every previous major expansion, there's been like a moment where the What's Good Guardians come together and we're all online, we're all playing, and it just doesn't quite feel like that moment happened. Or maybe it's happened without me, <laughs> oh. um, which is possible because like my life is just in a different position right now. Having a small child where you know I need to really manage when I'm doing online gaming is a thing. And I know that all the parents out there who have babies or have had who have big kids now that used to be babies understand that it's just a phase that happens and I will once again be able to go on raids with the What's Good Guardians um, when that happens but you know I am still enjoying my time with the campaign I like that they've given two different difficulty options for people if you want to play it on classic or legendary difficulty and they've really kind of made it a little bit more robust so I'm about a third of the way through the campaign so a little bit more to go and I'm just, you know, chugging away, enjoying my time now that I'm done with Horizon, really enjoying Destiny and going to just try to figure out when I can go on a raid with the, with the Guardians. What did you tweet out about Destiny that you spent all of your time doing what now? I don't, Brett, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I'm calling what? you out. What? You were organizing some shit. I feel like that's all. No, I was in the store looking at oh. emotes. So I made a tweet <laughs> that I, um, so I logged in to play the campaign and got waylaid going to the tower to pick up bounties and picking up engrams and stuff. And then I was like, ooh, Tess, what you got for me today? Because I had all this silver sitting on my account from Beyond Light because I bought a giant pack of silver when Beyond Light launched forever ago. And I was like, let's go buy some stuff. And there's, of course, some really fun emotes. Destiny has always had really amazing they emotes have. in the game. Uh, their animators um, <laughs> do a really phenomenal <laughs> job. So I um, maybe spent an hour looking in the shop. I don't know. Maybe more. <laughs> Who could say? Who could say, Brittany? Was it cathartic? Was it therapeutic, though, Andrea? That's what we got to get these days. Yes, it was. And I I bought some hunter armor ornaments and the changes that they've done with the class subtrees, particularly the void subclass for hunter. No, I don't want to get too in the weeds for you, Britt. Speaking (laughs) of glazing over talking about Pokemon, let me tell you about the void armor subclass of the hunters in Destiny. Um, But it's really fun and they've changed a lot of things that really make it more customizable, really kind of tinkering with the RPG aspects of the game and I think that longtime Destiny players and newcomers are like are really going to enjoy some of the gameplay changes but yeah it's fun I'm enjoying my time looking forward to Yay! playing more good for you thanks thanks yeah. <sighs> but I think that's probably going to do it for us since the other things are under embargo can't talk about yeah. No, can't talk about it just yet no, but I will say, just a quick nod, I had the pleasure of working with my friends over at Kind of Funny on a gameplay trailer that we did with 2K and Gearbox for Tiny Tina's Wonderland's Endgame content. So if you guys Ooh. missed it, the link is in my Twitter profile. Um, it's gone from my Instagram stories. Um, but So it's me, Blessing, Janet, and Greg in four-player co-op in the oh, Chaos Chambers, which is part of the endgame content that they just revealed. 
And that game is looking mwah, uh, looking beautiful. I'm, s- I'm so excited. I just played Dragon Keep actually for the first time a few weeks back. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, Jason and I played it because now you can buy it standalone. I think it was like $4.99 on Xbox. It was on PlayStation Plus for a while. Okay, yeah. Fantastic. And that was years ago. Like, well, I feel like, like forever ago. God, it's still so much fun and it still holds up and just an absolute blast. I am so excited. Oh, to, yeah. You're going to yeah. love this one class, the Berserker. It's oh. like custom built for Brit. It's like face tank. all face tanking. Like, you're going to love it. And you like the way. Oh, We'll talk about it. Like the way that you can spec the skill tree to like get healing like as you are taking damage, I feel like is like built for you. Oh, perfect. I can face tank and heal myself. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, more to talk about. Hopefully, um, I don't have a copy of, of Tiny Tina's Wonderlands yet, but hopefully I'll be getting one soon and we'll be talking about it on the show eventually. But if you guys missed the trailer... It was a really fun time, and um, thanks to you know Greg and the whole kind of funny crew for having me up in San Francisco so I could go uh, play that game with them. But that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We are going to be joined next week by none other than What's Good Games co-founder Alexa Ray Korea. Britt, can you yes. believe it? She's finally coming back. I know, and I thought she was going to be here this week, so I was teasing her a little last week. But yes, that is our amazing guest that I was very, very excited yes. about. Yes, we got oh our God. dates like crossed a little bit. That's on that's on us, and um, she has a new game coming out. She's got a new Kingdom Hearts podcast. We have lots to talk about with her. She's a big um, deal. Psh, nah, big deal. She's <laughs> just Alexa. It's going to be fun, so hopefully you guys will join us and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Bye, everybody.